Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hello, I'm glad you're with me today because today I'm trying something differently for you. I'm going to give you a window into specific content that I share with my clients dealing with specific issues that affect all of us. So today in episode number 15, Mindful Leader Satisfied Life, The topic is when guardedness and emptiness affect your work, relationships, and happiness. The truth is early in life, we develop a guarded self, this protective part of ourselves. If you've read Whole Again by Jackson McKenzie, he calls it the protective self. We develop this to keep us emotionally safe back when we weren't mature enough to handle things. It's there to guard us against feeling pain in our heart. This is that protective self. The mind already has a negative bias to keep us safe. We're always looking for danger. The guard or covering we have over our heart doesn't serve us. That guard is there so that we don't get hurt. And this nature that we have of Confirmation bias against negativity comes from this is how we stayed safe. This is why we're not extinct as a species. We're very good at knowing where danger lies. Only this doesn't serve us today because mastodons aren't running around trampling us. So the protective self starts when there is an incident and Let's say you start out as a young child being joyful and whole, and then there's an experience of betrayal or trauma, judgment, abandonment, rejection, and you experience considerable emotional chaos and a loss of control. And this is probably at a young age, but it doesn't have to be. There could be something that happened to you that you just had a very difficult time processing. No judgment on self. These things happen. And you adopt a false internal shame conclusion from this external experience. I am defective and somehow caused this. I'm never going to be good enough. This flawed belief blocks you from your true self, though you don't notice it. And to protect you from being consumed by pain, the body numbs that pain away in the heart, in the stomach, in the throat, pelvis, head, neck, any particular place. And this manifests in emptiness, boredom, 
nervousness, tightness, aches, and more. The protective self takes over to disprove this painful wound that you suffered and distract you from the pain. And the purpose is control and avoidance. It's part of you trying to help yourself. It is not a part of you that we hate, we want to get rid of, we turn away from. It's there, unfortunately, to keep you numb and keep the same pain from recurring, but it doesn't serve you. This is the false self or ego. Think about how this shows up for you at work. You're wanting to apply for that promotion, wanting to go for a new job, but you don't want to because you don't want to feel that pain of, and you may not even know what it is, rejection, hurt, abandonment, whatever it is, you turn away from it subliminally because you don't want to suffer it again. Well, how does it show up in your relationships? You're having a difficult conversation with your spouse and you become very judgmental, which is not productive to any conversation. You know that intellectually, but you can't pull it off in the moment. Or your default behavior might be to withdraw, which is not making you seem very communicative and also doesn't help in relationship building. And then in the wee hours of the morning, you're lying awake in bed, looking up at the ceiling saying, why am I empty? Why do I guard myself? Why I have this great role in this great family? Why don't I feel happy? This is why. And two clear signs of the protective self is that you're focusing on external things, people, situations that are out of your control, or you have a sense of compulsion that you need to do something. Workaholics, I want to constantly be on this treadmill to nowhere. I have to prove myself. That's a sign of the protective self. Toxic shame is tricky because this is what the protective self is trying to keep you from feeling, but deep down underneath, you're still feeling that shame. It convinces you that there is an ultimate truth here. So even if it's subliminally, we don't repeat this to ourselves out loud, but underneath the I am not enough becomes an identity. We have to drop that belief altogether. The belief that we want is I am unconditional love, but we're going to talk about today how to do that. The protective self trance is, well, if I could just get that raise, perfect relationship, house, deal, promotion, job, goal, perfect body, then I'd finally be happy. That's the treadmill to nowhere because you keep doing those things and you're still not happy. Change for the sake of change and still not happy. Another relationship, another house, another accessory, another car, another friend, another vacation, and you're still not satisfied. The protective selves want you to just keep doing. Overachievers fall into this category heavily, workaholics. They often have a heightened protective self, and that's okay because that can be unraveled. When we ruminate, negativity becomes our religion. This is a way of life for us. We're looking confirmation bias around negativity, not healthy. And we try to confront this, it doesn't dissolve it. We need to unidentify with the situation, with that wound that occurs. 
When we can do that, it dissolves, but trying to confront it is not the answer. Freedom comes from learning how to non-judgmentally notice these tricks our mind plays on us, these tricks of the protective self. If you try noticing negative biases and purposefully releasing them, you'll eventually discover some wonderful and calm sensations in your body, replacing the tension and agitation there. We want you to become a creator. Stop analyzing why you're suffering. That's not helping the shame of it. Unidentify with being a victim. Let me say that again. Having been victimized or victimhood is an awful situation. Acknowledge and honor that. I want you to not identify, not identify with being a victim. I want you to have the power to identify with being a creator. No need to worry about how to heal the wound or comfort the wound. Because this this is a conflict. You know, you have this, I have this shameful hurting side of me that I'm trying to comfort this wound. And then you have the real true self side of you that is unconditional love. And those two are in conflict. This is why the victim world does not serve you. Because that shameful hurting side of you that you're identifying with traps you from the unconditional love that you have for yourself, for others, for your work, for everything that you're involved in. We need not identify with the situation as part of our identity. We need to face it. We need to acknowledge that it happened, but it is not who we are because that victimizes us. You are not a result of any wound more than you are a chihuahua. Think of that. Think about, would you say to describe yourself, I'm a chihuahua? You are more than the situation that you've experienced. You are a survivor, a leader, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a child. You are many things. It's absurd to think that you are this situation that happened to you. That's absurd. As absurd as it would be for you to be a Chihuahua. Identify with your resilience, your kindness, your resourcefulness, your power. Own your stuff. Own how you may have been identifying with a situation more than is serving you. Okay, let's own that. I know that for many years after I went through a very abusive marriage, I claimed the victim role far longer than it served me and I was stuck that entire time. I could tell you everything that was wrong with my ex-husband, everything that he did to me, everything blah blah blah, and it did nothing but keep me stuck on the treadmill of poor me, martyr me, I can't believe this happened to me. I didn't deserve this. This did happen to me. It wasn't right. It wasn't justifiable. But I don't identify with that any longer because there was far more freedom in identifying with I am unconditional love. That is how I found love again.
remarried and have a happy marriage. That is how I found the love that I wanted to be able to give to my children that was difficult while I felt so guarded and angry and resentful and judgmental and all of the other things that come along with continually reliving the situation and being victimized. We have to practice ownership and taking steps. Imagine that core situation that happened to you is being held in the palm of your hand, not wrapped around your heart, but held in the palm of your hand. You can see it withering there, desperately trying to control. It's not you. It's not a part of you anymore. It's very sad, actually. It's an old energy that was born from fear in someone else that got transferred to you. Look at it, withering, trying to control. It's desperate. It's not who you are. You are unconditional love. Let the unconditional love be who you are. Be what you'd like to have happened instead of that situation. That desperate side of you is not you. You can finally step away from stuck thoughts that hold you back to try all the things you've wanted to try, to go from bad things happen to me to wounds are being passed along and I no longer choose to carry that wound, to things are just happening, to no judgment in the last side of that. Wounds get passed along. People are hurtful and they need to discharge that hurt on other people. It is only a temporary fix for them. It does not make them continue to feel happy, but that's all they know how to do. So they have to keep doing it, which is why mean people continue to be mean. It doesn't justify what they're doing, but their wound does not become you. It is something that you suffered. It is a wound that hurt you badly, but it does not have to drive your life. And it doesn't have to be something overt. I mean, there could be things that maybe you haven't even thought about that happened when you were younger that keep you guarded, that don't seem so overt. But this is what I work on very closely with my clients. This is why I only work with people one-on-one -on -one and not in groups because it's the only way we can untangle what this is. Now I'm going to take you through some of the challenges that my clients and frankly all of us suffer and illustrate for you how this guarded self shows up and what we can do about it. Let's take the problem of being overwhelmed. A solution for that is that we want to break down what exactly is overwhelming us. Chunk it down. Get it all out on paper articulated, break it down, and see how to prioritize the situation and delegate. And the process of doing that is one of self-awareness, of where this sits in our body, taking slow, deep breaths and noticing how it's showing up in our body, slowing down enough to be aware of how it's taking hold within us, and that guarded self is showing up in our body. And once we know how to 
break that down and address it and not turn away from it, which is what we work on. There's fulfillment and relaxation. There's critical thinking that we can now put into place when we're not completely stressed and overwhelmed. And there's greater efficacy on the things that matter. And then in that space, we feel effective, reliable. We sleep better, eat healthier, make better choices, live better, and finally have fun. You complete things, even the big projects you never had time for. You feel satisfied. It's the same for the problem of self-sabotage, where we can see what we want to do, but we notice how we are actually hamstringing our own progress. The solution for this is we have to get out of our own way. Identify that protective self within us and how it's holding us back, what it looks like, what it's doing, where it's showing up in our body, and be kind to it. Get curious about it. Not analyze it. Just not turn away from it and allow the fear to be present, not be afraid of the fear. No need to adopt the thought that it's placing in our head because that's just energy. It's just a thought. We're going to switch the lens on that thought and stop making excuses. And in this space, you know you can do anything. You have a lust for life. You see fear and doubt and smile at them and shake your head and say, of course you're there. You're there to protect me, but... Not for me today. I've got this. Regarding the problem of feeling invisible, many of my clients just feel like they're not noticed enough. They're working hard and somebody else gets the promotion or they don't think that their work is even noticed by senior leadership. You want to be able to show up with confidence and you do that by knowing your value proposition No, you must be seen to deliver that value proposition and design a process where you are going to show up differently. This is what we work on. Defining your value, feeling your worth. You're seen and valued. You position yourself to be seen and effective. The need for attention is replaced by likability and true love. You don't have that need to be, I need to be seen, I need to be identified. Doesn't anybody see I'm doing a good job? No, that's replaced with your self-worth. And people like you. And you have a love for them. You can walk into any room, any situation, any meeting, and belong. Know that you belong there. Confidence is being competent. Self-esteem is feeling worthy to be there, to belong. Let's talk about imposter syndrome. This is where we're afraid any day somebody's going to find out that we're not even qualified to be in the role that we're in, let alone one that's higher than the one that we're in. Where people are going to find out that we really aren't that well put together, where Our friends might realize that we're really not cool, where other people might realize that we're really not good enough. That's imposter syndrome. And the solution here to that protective self that is reminding you, don't put yourself out there, is to own your space. And we work very heavily on this. Know your maven signature strengths. If you don't know what those are, that's a problem. Why you, why now? Why you in the situation that you're in, why now? Why you for the role that you want, but don't have, why now? 
That value proposition is crucial. In that space, you don't fear being found out because under everything is exceptionalism. You know what is unique to you. You take risks, nothing is personal, you play bigger, and you know your uniqueness. Let's talk about living in the past, the inability to not let things go, because this holds my clients, I think holds most of the population back. When we can let go of things whose time has passed, that is power. No more avoiding obsessive thoughts that bring shame, but a curiosity about switching the lens through which we view our situation. No more victim bully roles in these stories that we tell ourselves, but we create a new story where there isn't, it isn't binary. We're not looking at one person's a good guy, one person's a bad guy, or I'm a victim and everybody else is a, a perpetrator. It's more one of openness, curiosity, and observation. In the process of doing this, we identify that protective self, that ego, and we detach from it. We don't want to identify with it. We want to detach from it and feel likable, intimacy, love, and freedom. No more emptiness, that emptiness that you feel, that numbness, that boredom. You don't search for memories from the past, but actually feel your feelings. Often, if we're stuck in the past, we are not feeling good feelings either because we so don't want to feel the pain. Our protective self is protecting us from feeling pain, but all the other feelings are falling like dominoes too. We're not feeling joy, glee, curiosity, fun, feeling loved, giving love, all of those are falling down too. Consciously, we use mindfulness to fully experience pain. Not judge ourselves for it, we can sit with it. And because we own it, we can let go what we own. We can release what we own. When we turn away from it, it doesn't allow us to do that because we can't even see it or identify it. When we see it and can be with it and not let it run our lives, we can release it and not letting it be trapped in our body, numbing us from all the good things that are out there in life. And in this space, you feel relief for having released that burden. You find great relationships, love, new jobs, promotions. In that space, you're happy, finally happy. Let's talk a little bit about feeling like a victim. This, we have all spent time there, Regularly, we seem to visit this space. This is where we want to be a creator, to stop analyzing why we're suffering or the shame of it. Unidentify with being the victim. No need to heal or comfort the wound because, as I said before, that shameful, hurting side of me is in conflict with the unconditional love side of you. We, of course, acknowledge and honor what happened. Whatever happened may have been egregious and not wrong. At the hands of a situation or someone who was also not well 
or had been wounded themselves. But this dual competing perspective doesn't serve you. This identifying with the wound distracts us from unconditional love, and we need not identify that anymore. We, that's not who we are. You are not a result of a wound any more than you are, like I said, a chihuahua or any other, a tiger or your cat. It's absurd. Identify with who you are truly at your core, not the situation. Identify with your resilience and your sweetness and your efficacy and your leadership and your compassion. That's your power. But you have to own your stuff, right? You have to own your role in however you've been stuck, whatever lens you've been putting over this situation, you have to own that. Yes, I have been looking at this situation as me being X. Address the thoughts that keep you stuck without judgment. Yes, I do that sometimes. Not, oh, I wish I could stop doing this. Without judgment. Practice ownership and taking steps. Imagine, like I had said earlier, that core wound in your hand. It's outside of you. What happened is outside of you, withering for control, desperate and ugly, but it's not in your soul. It's not you. Let unconditional love be what you are, be who you are. Take the power from that. Feel empowered. You protect yourself so your protective self doesn't have to. And you protect yourself with that power of unconditional love. The need for approval here, the need for someone to say, yes, you were victimized, and that doesn't really help you get anywhere, but you seek that. That need for approval is replaced with affection and genuine likability because you wreak unconditional love for yourself, for others. That's who you are. And you can finally step away from stuck thoughts that hold you back to try all the things that you've wanted to do. Remember, things are just happening. They're not happening to you. They are just happening. Part of being a victim is sometimes the life isn't fair. And this one always makes me chuckle a little bit because whoever told us that life was fair, that's like expecting the lion won't eat you because you didn't eat him. There isn't a guarantee when you're born that life will be fair. Nope, it's not fair. Children wouldn't die of cancer if life was fair. It's not fair. Let's accept that. But it is full. It is full of a lot of things. The most important thing for me, for it to be full of for you, is self-acceptance. And only your self-care practices, we go over this heavily with my clients specifically for whatever it is they need, their personal self-care practices, are what keep you in an aura and persona of self-acceptance. This is where you don't hesitate or continue to make excuses. You just execute. You stop comparing and you celebrate what a grand life this is because it's a very short life. Let's celebrate it. Let's experience it. How about the problem of procrastination? Who hasn't done that? Procrastinators feel they're going to fail or be judged. 
And they cover that over with perfectionism, right? We need in this space to again and identify unidentify with the protective self or ego. We have to acknowledge it, see it, see how it's holding us back, be kind and gentle to it, but shake our head and say, not today, I see you there. Of course you're there, but I've got this. And there you'll get more done, have more free time. You're more action-oriented with reverence, for your personal values. You're naming what's in the way, but you're seeing how it doesn't align with your values and you're choosing yourself. You're choosing your values over that lens that you had been looking at things through. You're shifting that lens to one of your personal values. Satisfaction comes in from getting things done. You're no longer stressed from letting things go to the last minute. Now you just take them on. And again, let's talk about how perfectionism covers over that procrastination. It's the same thing. Fear of failure and judgment. We address it the same way. Unidentify with the protective self. See it there. Recognize it. Name it. But done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. Now, if you notice you're not advancing and not getting promoted in your career, here's how the protective self can be getting in the way. You're not a must-have. You're an okay-to-have. You don't know your value proposition. You don't know why you, why now. And we have to define that as well as your personal values Define your personal values, define your value proposition, why you, why now, and you become the must-have. You get called for advice. You get included, respected, revered, promoted, not passed over. People want you at the table. You need to be able to articulate this, practice it. This is where you get a better job, more money, better lifestyle, more fulfilling work. It's all possible. How about the problem of distant relationships? Well, the protective self loves to get involved with your relationships. It wants to trick you into feeling, oh, don't feel intimacy because you might get burned there. Remember that emotion, how you were in pain? Oh, don't want to feel any emotions. Don't want to make yourself vulnerable because then you might feel that pain again. When you can, again, unidentify with the protective self and your ego, you can receive and give unconditional love. You're a better leader because we have relationships at work, not just interpersonally at home. You're a more kind person. You have more friends. You don't have to pretend that things aren't bothering you. You can be honest about them. There's no need to control or guard yourself. You are open, inviting, and not personalizing things, not personalizing feedback. That's the kiss of death of a career. When someone's trying to help you and give you feedback in a non-judgmental way, take that in. Take it as a favor. Take it as wisdom. 
Now, if they're doing it in a punitive way, you can be respectful if it's your boss, but you have to make sure the lens that you're looking through is not one of the protective self who's telling you this person is threatening you, you're, uh, put your guard up because you're going to get hurt. You might look at them through the lens of, well, there's probably a wound that this person has. They're passing it on to me and I'm not taking it. That wound is getting passed out there, but I'm not owning it. But I will listen to what they have to say. There is a fine line between they are angry or hurt and putting that off on me, but there might be some pearl of wisdom in here that I need to take and learn from. That's a mindful leader. The mindful leader can discern the difference. In that space, you're more liked, invited, included, no more searching for close relationships, but a release of the things inside of us that block it. If you want closer interpersonal relationships, you don't go out there and be needy, or you don't go out there and over-deliver in a codependent way. You get rid of the thing inside of you that is blocking you from having it. Let's talk a little bit about anxiety. Who doesn't have that? right? This is where we worry about things before they actually happen. And we fast forward to doom and gloom, or we we rehearse failure in our minds, totally unproductive. That protective self is telling you, oh, this is going to happen, and it's going to be ominous and terrible. And those perceptive thoughts are very harmful to your well-being. But when you can see them, and hear the message that they're trying to protect you from. We don't need to analyze it. Just identify it. Oh, yes, there you are. I see you. I can discover my own unconditional love and give love, demonstrate self-love. This is why self-care practices, mindful daily practices, are a big part of working with me because this is where we unravel anxiety and learn to live in the moment. When we're practicing those mindful daily routines, it may seem a little silly, but this is where they come to bear because we become much more aware of our breathing, build our self-awareness, build our ability to self-regulate so that in a moment of anxiety, we can observe what's going on from a third-party perspective like a fly on the wall instead of being the victim being the wound, being the anxiety, being the perfectionism, being the procrastinator. Oh, I see that I might be looking at this through the lens of having to uh, put off what I need to do or procrastinate or guard myself or be distant. Mm, I'm going to change the lens up on this a little bit. I've got this. And in this space, we smile sleep better, eat healthy, exercise, keep up with that daily physical activity, let things go. What a relief. Worry used to be our default posture. Now, thoughtful reflection and action is the default posture. And what about playing small? This is a little trap that I see so many leaders get in because they figure if I play small, then I'll if I fail, I'll only fail small, but you'll never grow big either. So playing small does not serve you. You take small risks because they mean small failures. 
let's reconcile with the protective self. Let's acknowledge it. I, I see you there. Oh yeah, this is just that side of me that sometimes does this. It's okay. This is just me. This is another uh, go-to practice that you can use. The just me practice. Oh yeah, that's just me being whatever. Insert anxious, being distant, being a procrastinator, feeling like a victim. That's just me doing that. Sometimes I do that. No judgment on self. Sometimes I do that. Let me switch the lens on how I look at this situation because I'm a creator. I've really enjoyed sharing some of the details of what I work with my clients on here with you today. I value your dedication to this podcast and coming back every week and listening to it. And I encourage you, if this is something that you appreciate, to like it and make comments on it because that helps it get out there to more people. I'm wishing you mindful leadership and a satisfied life today. First, I have something really special that I can't wait to share with you. Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep, healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family, or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to maryleegannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. I'm glad you were with me today and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me.